And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Allocation Disorder, Sam Stasekul, Paul Tenorio, coming at you from Orlando, Florida, where the U.S. men's national team, Paul, just put in a dominant, resounding, cathartic, emotional, excellent performance that basically puts them in the World Cup. They beat Panama 5-1. to one. They are not officially qualified because Costa Rica beat El Salvador earlier in the day, but they would have to lose by what, six goals? in Costa Rica on Wednesday in order to not finish third uh, and qualify for Qatar. So for all intents and purposes, they are in. They have returned to the World Cup. Um, I'm comfortable saying that. I I don't know if you are yet or not, but I got to ask, what's the main headline for you, Paul? Like this was was an awesome, awesome game for the U.S. Yeah, I mean, I think the main headline is Christian Pulisic and his performance in this game, because he basically is the person who is delivering the U.S. men's national team to Qatar. And, you know, he scored twice on penalty kicks, had a beautiful third goal, um, just wonderfully brought down, navigated through two defenders, put it far post. Um, you know, he was very active. He, he drew several free kicks, two of, two times uh, contributed to the goals um as well so helped for helped me, set up another as well helped set up another yeah. goal dropping the pass back so I, I thought he was fantastic and if he plays like that you see what the u.s is capable of and that's what you kind of that's what you've wanted from from christian Pulisic. sam you wrote about christian do you think this could be like the moment that turns things for him with this national team or is it just a, a i don't, don't want to call it like a one flash in the pan yeah. but yeah. should we oh should we look so am I looking too deep into this? Like, could you know, this be something that changes for him? I thought about that when I was writing this piece. And, and like, my head wants to say, you're thinking you're going a little too far, right? Because he could come out in the next meaningful game, which I guess maybe at this point will be in in Qatar at the World Cup um, and, and play a dud and, you know, that's that, right? But we've talked on this show about how Pulisic has looked burdened in qualifying, right? And he carries all of this pressure and this weight. And it's the weight of expectation that comes from having the level of talent that he has. It's the weight of expectation that comes with being an American player at Chelsea, the Champions League winners. And it's the weight and the scars that come with Kuva and the failure from last time. And he was a major part of that team. And I don't think anyone blames him for what went wrong. He was a teenager and he was actually one of the better U.S. players throughout that qualifying cycle. He scored in Cuba. He did. Um, But I think it's fair to say that he's taken that very hard, like very, very hard. Um, You know, as our editor Brooks Peck pointed out to me just a few minutes ago, as we record here on early on, what is it, Monday morning? Um, You know, this is a guy who put on a U.S. soccer hoodie when he was taking photos with the Champions League trophy on the field in Porto, right? This is a guy who's got a bald eagle and American flag tattooed on his arm. Like, this is a guy who really deeply cares about the national team, his place in it, his role with it. And I think he took I think he took the failure to qualify last time very personally. And I think he's taken his start to this cycle very personally. And let's be clear, he hasn't been that good until tonight. He had two goals in eight appearances in the octagonal. Those two goals were both off the bench against Mexico in November and against Honduras in in February. Um, But as a starter in his six games, he struggled mostly to make an impact. And and we talked about that in the the buildup to this game and what the reasons were that for. But tonight, it was just a different, it was a different beast. Like there are moments in every sport when the star player says, not today, or today's my day. And that's what I thought Pulisic did tonight. 
Yeah, for me, there was a moment when he was celebrating the first goal. He he ran over towards his family. They were they were in a suite right there, right where he ran, and he, he made a heart shape, and then blew a kiss, and then he jumped up in the air and he pumped his fist and he screamed, and in that moment you could see this like it wasn't like in that moment it wasn't that cathartic like. I'm lifting a weight off my shoulders like maybe you'd expect, right? Like what we just talked about, the, the, the burdens he feels, the expectations around him. It wasn't that. It was like a, like there's more to come type of yeah, like. it was like watch the F out. <laughs> right. And yeah. like his face showed it like he was like locked in. And I thought it was, I thought it was interesting, Zach Steffen speaking to Fox after the game. He said, you know, essentially that Christian was very locked in, but he also said that Christian was, upset after the Mexico game because he had a chance to score a goal that would have, you know, theoretically won the game. We don't know how the game flow would have changed if the U.S. had scored in that first half when Christian had the chance. But that, that's a chance he he would rate himself to score most of the time. I, I think we said the other night, you know, eight out of ten times, I think Christian Pulisic puts that away. And so, you know, as you said, he, he takes it very seriously. He, he, uh, he wants to do well. He recognizes when things aren't going well and he he tries to diagnose why, and I think today he just kind of he just kind of let all that go, and he just he he embraced it instead of wrestling with it. I think that's and, a, I think that's a really good word for what he embraced it. Like I think because yeah. that's what we saw tonight, right? He was given the captain's armband. He hadn't been captain, I think, in four games. I think it was the Canada game he was captain for, um, or maybe the El Salvador game, uh, and he hadn't worn the armband since. And he got it tonight. And I think I turned to you. I know I replied to Jimmy Conrad on Twitter. And I was like, I don't understand why he does this. Burhalter, like, just just have it be Adams. It is what it is, right? And we were talking before the match, Paul. And you said something that became prescient, <laughs> right? Where it was like, well, you give him... As I do. Yeah, well, As I do. You weren't, you weren't 100% certain on it. But... Um, you said, like, basically, you know, you give him the armband that's, like, that's like helping him out, right? It's like putting the onus more on him, and it's saying, you go be the man. And I said, I don't know if that's a good thing. I, I don't, it I turned out say, that it was. I don't, I don't say – I didn't say that it was, you go be the man. It was – what I believed it was was Greg Berhalter and the staff saying, we, believe, we essentially believe in you to be, to be the person. We, yeah. we, are, we understand that you have this responsibility – and this is us showing our confidence in you to be the man. And it hasn't worked in the past, right? Like you yeah. said, like he wore the captain's armband in the past. And, and sometimes, and you said tonight too, like it's a toss up. Like that weight, put, you're putting more on him potentially when you give him that captain's armband, right? Like how is he going to respond to that? Because he, he has talked about, you know, maybe sometimes trying to do too much because he's trying mm -hmm. to live up to that expectation. But tonight it worked the way that they designed. And Greg Berhalter said after the game that that's exactly what they were doing when they gave him the captain's armband was saying, you know, it was a, it was a nod to his journey, essentially, is what Berhalter said. He was on the field four years ago when they failed to qualify. He took it really hard, like you said. It's become a part of the defining part of his legacy in the early on that he didn't get to play in that World Cup as a 17-year-old. And so it means a little bit, I don't want to say it means more to him, but, you know, Somebody asked Paul Ariola, like, do you take it more personal because you were there? Yeah. And I think there is that with Christian. 100%. And so I, I think that they clearly, they read it right this time around in that Christian, they, they, they understand the, the motivation that Christian has to not miss another World Cup. Yeah. The, the, what it means to his legacy, what it means to him. And I mean, look, man, we've been talking now for, you know, seven or eight minutes about Christian because he is so important to this team. Yeah. And when he does what he did tonight, when he is that guy, this team is different. Different level. Because it's a different level. He is the he is one of the only players on the team who can do that. Maybe Gio Reyna can do that too. Right. We'll see. But other than that, who? Yeah, I don't think there is another. Certainly not in the attack. So when you see this, I think both of us tonight, when this was happening, we're kind of looking at each other like Man, like if this guy can start doing this, man, changes the ceiling. Definitely changes the ceiling, and and that's why it was the takeaway tonight. Yes, we can talk about so close to Qatar, probably going. You know, unlikely that they're going to lose by six nothing or something like that. But really, the headline to me was Christian. Yeah, 
I agree. Um, it was interesting to me. We obviously all saw what he did on the field, right? He was super active, um, really like really efficient in the attack. He probably could have had a couple more assists if his teammates had been a little bit better in front of a goal. <laughs> um, Let's talk about that also real, really briefly yeah. here. The second half, they had a lot of chances that they should have put away. And if they were going down to Costa Rica needing to get beat, beat eight nothing or nine nothing, <laughs> stop. But now six nothing could happen. Six nothing theoretically could happen oh, yeah? in soccer. Okay. A six nothing scoreline is like a scoreline that occasionally happens. All right. Like eight basically happened Anyways, tonight. I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, okay, yeah, they'll be ruining. I'm sure if they lose nine nothing, the the main storyline will be the chances that they missed in the five just, one win. All I'm saying is, like, I just I was scared to go like full board my game story because of what happened four years ago. Yeah, they needed to tie Trinidad with their B team in Trinidad, and they didn't do it. So yeah. I'm not going to say like six nothing ain't going to happen. Costa Rica has won sixteen of their last eighteen possible points. So th- this is a team that's playing maybe better than anyone in CONCACAF right now. Yeah. They have an incredible goalkeeper. All I'm saying is they should have buried those chances <laughs> and they would have helped your boy Christian get some more stats. There you go. Um, but, you know, going back to, to what I was trying to say before you interrupted me with that ridiculous take, um, nine goals, please. <laughs> no, I'm saying they would have had whatever. It <laughs> anyway, um, we all saw what he did on the field, right? He was He was super active. He was, you know, Oh, he scored two PKs, not a real hat trick, whatever. Like, he helped draw those two PKs. His set piece service tonight was excellent. Excellent. Um, he was super Explain active. Explain what you mean, Sam, when you say that he helped draw those penalties. Well, I'm trying to remember now exactly. One of them, he drew a foul and he delivered a ball into the box. I think this was the second one that Panama won the header. And then Annie Balgadoy couldn't stop touching the faces of U.S. center backs, and, and he hit Miles Robinson in the neck or in the face, and, and he got whistled. And the first one, he delivered the corner kick that Walker Zimmerman got slapped in the face. Annie Balgadoy went full Will Smith on Walker on his Nashville SC teammate. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Topical. Right topical. Um, and, so four of the five goals then, Christian Pulisic played a direct role. Yeah, and then obviously he scored in the 65th minute, the final one, which was, I mean, Paul, I like we were sitting next to each other, and, and I'm so glad we sat outside tonight, um, not inside the press box. We got the full feel because the crowd was amazing. But, you know, it's happening, and you probably didn't see it because you were sitting to the right of me and we were facing to the right towards the school. But it's happening, and you know that thing? This is going to be great on an audio medium, but you know that thing people do sometimes in soccer when they just like like shake their hand? Like, ah, it's too hot. It's too hot. He like He like did that turn. Right, and he's sort of angled back to goal, and the ball comes in pretty hot, and it's in the air, and it's on his left foot, and the ball just basically sticks to it, and he's able to spin. He spins his man. I don't know if he megged the other guy, but he he crossed him over real good, takes him out of the play. So he's got this one silky touch, turns, takes one more touch. Two guys are already gone, and then it's a simple finish into the lower right corner. And, and I was just like, oh, my God, this goal. Like, And I, I wrote about it in this lead. I kind of got a little crazy with it. <laughs> but, like, the guy, like, people that score goals like that are, like, touched by God. Like, that is a gift that you have. That is not something that normal players can do, what he did, right? And that was an incredible moment. And he sort of turned to the crowd, and you were the one that said this to me in the press box. Like, he turns the crowd, arms outstretched. He's sort of, like, shouting, like, something. We don't know what he's saying. But he's he's shouting to the crowd, like, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Are you not entertained? Like, here I am, right? And for the first time in qualifying, the U.S.'s best player played like he owned that label, right? The first time. And, and like... Again, to go back to that ceiling point. So everything he did on the field was great. And, and I'm sorry, I'm rambling here a little bit. But the emotional aspect of it was what really stood out to me. Because Pulisic is pretty understated. He's not He's not Weston McKinney. He is not Tyler Adams. He is not even Kellen Acosta or Paul Ariola, guys that are going to mix it up and get in people's faces and, and do all that stuff. Right? He's like usually he just he takes the foul, he gets up, maybe he'll slam the ground. Right? But then he gets on with it. Tonight, we saw a different guy. 
like he was he got he was in the center of that like little Donnybrook right around halftime. Yeah, he was mixing it up. Yeah. And he was he had to be he was Luca De La Torre had to do full hold me back, bro. You know, um, and, and I liked that. Like he got a yellow card for like clapping back at the referee. Like I, he needs to show that personality because I think he plays better when he does. And we we haven't really seen that from him in qualifying. And I thought it was very refreshing to see tonight. Yeah, he was great. He was great. And, and you know, again, this U.S. team, we can talk about them differently if Christian Pulisic is playing like that. I mean, plain and simple. He's the best player in the pool. He's the best player on the team. And he is the most impactful player in the final third that the U.S. has by a wide margin when he when he plays like that. You know, he can do things that no one else in the pool can do. Maybe maybe Gio Reyna, but yeah. Maybe Gio Reyna can, but he hasn't yet. And he, he, he shouldn't have to. He's 18, right? Like he's a few years behind Christian. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I think we're 19 now, I guess Gio Reyna is. But, you know, it was it was a big, um, big, big performance from Christian. Big, big performance from the U.S. And, and that's where I want to go next, Sam. I think for me, the thing that stands out about this game is like the pressure was there, man going into the game. Yeah. Like, they knew the result. They knew that Costa Rica had beaten El Salvador. So they knew that they had to go get a win. And I believe, Sam, and I don't know if if you kind of feel the same way I do, but, like, there have been down moments with this team, obviously. They're young, and we've seen the first window. They really didn't know what they were getting into. And, you know, the El Salvador game, the Canada game, the first half against Honduras, it was all kind of, like, learning, figuring things out. They lost at Canada. They lost at Panama. But they've they've responded in these moments when their backs have been against the wall. Halftime against Honduras, they responded, came out, dominated that game, won on the road, changed the trajectory yeah. and the discussion I mean, that, of the entire the qualifying campaign. Major right? turning point. Yeah. Huge turning point. After losing at Panama, they come back home, play Costa Rica, need to get a result. They do. They win. They go down a goal in the first minute and they come right. back. Yeah. Go to Canada, lose, come back home, beat Honduras. So that's those are responses that maybe you don't always get from a team. And I thought tonight was another example of, you know, the pressure is on. You have to respond. And they did it. And and that really stood out to me, Sam. I, do, I just wonder, like, do you think that is – I think it's indicative of – I don't know whether to put it to, like, a maturity. I don't know if it's that or if it's, like – this kind of youthful lack of fear that maybe veteran mm. teams get, you know, start thinking. I think there's like a, a sense of like, and and Sam Paul Ariola today said, said, you know, this team has a different mentality. We just believe we can beat anybody anywhere. The, you know, the, 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 they have this confidence. And maybe it's a mix of all that, Sam, but I mean, to me, that's what stood out tonight. I don't think it's the youthful, like, like oh, we're too young and dumb to be scared. I don't think that is it. I, I think it's a combination of talent, right, mixed with confidence and experience now, right? We, Paul, you wrote about oh, this a lot, particularly at the beginning of the cycle, and we talked about it on the show quite a bit, how ex- inexperienced the team was, right? And they were. And we saw it in the first window. They didn't know what they were getting into. Like we've talked to players over the last few days and they've explained that further, right? And echoed it. But like at this point, they've played 13 qualifiers. That's three more than any hexagonal ever, (laughs) you know? Like they're experienced, right? If you want to do it the old way, they're in their second hex now, right? Like they know what the deal is now. So I think it's a lot of that. And I think it's just like they have talented players and and their most talented players stepped up in a huge way tonight. Yeah. And they played in big games. Some of them, not all of them, but some of these guys, they've they've played not only in big games, but even just playing for big clubs where there's a level of expectation and you have to respond in certain moments. Christian certainly has experienced that. Weston McKinney has experienced that. Serginio death. I mean, by the way, I just mentioned two guys who weren't even on the field. You know, Brendan Aronson playing champions league, not on the field. But they, they have gone through experiences that I think breed confidence in the player when you learn that you can step up in big moments or you understand yeah. how to deal with pressures. And and that is different. I, I'm not saying anything mind-blowing here, but the pressures that you deal with when you play in Europe are different than what exists in Major League Soccer. And I, and I don't mean that like on the field you still have pressures to perform, 
but there is a layer to the media coverage and yeah. the attitude of the fans who live and breathe soccer. <laughs> we talk about versus... we talk about toxicity with the US men's national team fan base. Like try playing for Chelsea. Right. You know, like it's different. Or, or Juve. Yeah. When, when when they're not having a great season, you know? So two years in all a row. Of, yeah. All of those things factor in. And I just think it I think it speaks though to a certain camaraderie, a certain trust in each other, a, a the makeup of this group. And and you mentioned that we've been doing some interviews, Sam. That's come up a lot too. Yeah. The belief that this team, this pool is really close and that they've kind of become closer over those experiences. Part of it was learning to win together this summer, two different groups in the Nations League and the Gold Cup. Some of it was, I think, partly, you know, just being apart during COVID and then coming back in and, and just kind of being thankful to be in with the national team. Yeah, it was like when we all came back from COVID and started seeing human beings again. Yeah. Yeah. Part <laughs> of it is the, that these guys know each other and have known each other for a long time, some of them. They've played together since they were kids. 17. Yeah. You know, they're four, they're four years older now. It's not like they're that old. But, like, <laughs> you know, they, they've known each other for a long time. Four years is a lot the, when you're 20. I wrote the story about Weston <laughs> and Christian. They, they met each other on the bus at their first ever under-15 national team camp. They happened to Weston was sitting behind Christian and sprayed him with his water bottle. Like they've known each other a long time and that goes into it too. So I thought that this was yet another example that there is a, a mental fortitude that's going to be important when you get to the world cup, you get yeah. to that tournament to, to, to understand um, that this is a team that is, is able to punch back or punch when they need to. And, well, and I have that's way more faith in that now than I did three hours or not three hours ago, yeah. five hours ago. And that's sure, simply there. because of Pulisic. And, and obviously he has the ability to fight through adversity. Like you don't get to the level that he's gotten to without that. He's done it time and time again with Chelsea, but with the national team, right? We talk about that to kind of put, put the segment full circle, right? Like that pressure, he's feeling it and it, it was affecting him and he said it, right? But he overcame that tonight. And in doing so, he basically qualified the U.S. for the World Cup, and and that's huge. And, and what a night, um, what a win, what a performance. I thought probably the best for the team in qualifying, um, although it was kind of a weird game in some ways. We can get more into that later. Um, but, yeah, just an incredible night, an incredible performance by Pulisic, and, and, you know, you've now got a foot and a half in the door to Qatar, um, and, and barring something historic on a world level, <laughs> they will be there in November. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Stay with us. We'll be right back talking a lot more about this game and about what's next for this national team. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder, breaking down the USMNT's 5-1 win against Panama in Orlando that effectively, all but officially, gets them to Qatar, back to the World Cup for the first time since 2014. We spent the first segment, I mean, it was the Christian Pulisic show, and it was the Christian Pulisic show out on the field tonight as well. So I think that was appropriate. But a lot of other players played well in this match, Paul. Um, it wasn't just him. The U.S., it, it was sort of a weird game in that it was 5-1. Tyler Adams said it afterwards, I think on TV, that you know they didn't play as well as they could have. Um, and, and in some ways, Panama started the match on the front foot for about the first 10 minutes or so. But let's open this up a little bit more beyond Christian Pulisic. Who else, if you had to pick one guy, who else really stood out to you tonight? It's a tough one. I think I'm going to pick someone that's interesting and in, in that he only played the first half, and that's Paul Ariola. 
I thought yeah. once again Ariola had a strong performance. I, I remember being really impressed with how he played against Jamaica and Austin, just running like crazy. And from our vantage point in that stadium, we were we were high up and kind of got a picture of the whole kind of like a tactical cam. And, that was and so great, by the way. It was great. And and by the way, that was a great environment. And tonight was an incredible environment. I, I do want to get back to that later at some point, just kind of what the Orlando yeah. crowd, because they played a role, I 100%. think, in changing the game. And I, I just think that he was doing the things he does well. The way he was pressing defensively, he got himself in dangerous places. His pressing created some dangerous moments. And then he scored a really good goal. That goal. That header was, that goal that was a really was good goal. Excellent. Yes. Like it, it was, was a really good goal. A great cross by Robinson. A really good run by Ariola, right? He he comes across from right wing, and he kind of almost gets to the near post on the left side, and then flicks it all the way to the far post. Really excellent header. And this is not a man really renowned for his aerial ability. I think he's like five seven or something like that. Yeah, and 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 Michele Giannone reported tonight um, that Paul Ariola picked up a knock, a slight knock, which is why he he was taken out at halftime. He's day to day. Interesting. So I, I thought that he was taken out because he's going to start in Costa Rica and they were saving his leg. I sort of felt you know, it was like, I looked at it, it was like, oh, they wanted to play Gio Reyna 45 and it was like a planned sub. Yeah, I, I thought I thought there was there was something maybe just kind of, okay, Paul, you're going to start. If we win this game, we'll be able to rest Gio. I mean, rest Christian. You're going to have to go and play 90 in Costa Rica. So we're going to pull you. But apparently there's a knock. I thought he was great. Um, and, and he is... I posted this on Twitter, this like kind of his smile. He was asked about, you know, the, the haters, yeah. some of the haters out there, as he put it. And, I, you know, I do think there's something I, I liked that part of the performance and that people were really questioning the fact that he started over Gio. Yeah. And we know we know now also that Gio was one of the players affected by a stomach bug. He all already doesn't have great fitness. And in fact, Gio came in and after like five or 10 minutes was already putting his hands on his knees. So he's. You know, he, he, well, he working through well if you're going stomach, through you if know? you're going through montezuma's revenge you try running around yeah. in the, the heat yeah, of orlando exactly. for so 10 minutes maybe we have a better idea of why Gio Randa didn't start tonight but <laughs> good for paul or Ariola to take that start grab that moment yeah. score a big goal show his value and and by the way he's another player who was there in 2017 who wants to get to a world cup yeah and 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 has to prove that he's worth being on the roster because yeah. he's fighting with Jordan Morris, Brendan Aronson, Tim Weah, Gio Reyna now mm-hmm. to get a spot on that team. And I thought he he put in a really good shift. Yeah, hundred um, percent. How about you, Sam? Who, who would be your 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 top guy besides Christian? I mean, it it was gonna be Paul, but but you Sorry. took him. Um, Sorry. <laughs> you know, Jesus Ferreira wasn't perfect, but he was good. Sure. Um, obviously, he got the goal. Kind of a weird broken play almost took advantage of a deflection and, and pounced on it. There were a couple of other chances that he could have done better with. I think there was one particularly in the second half where I, I can't remember the exact buildup, but there was a cutback to him. I want to say from Luca De La Torre um, and he was about 10 yards out and it was a poor attempt and, and he went well over the bar. Um, but you know, he had that bicycle kick attempts in the box in the first half. Um, and he was good. I thought, um, in possession you know there was one play i think he played reyna like around the corner like i turned we were sitting next to uh taylor rockwell of, of total soccer show fame of course anyone listening to this show knows all about that and bobby warshaw as well and, and i sort of missed this play live i was doing some writing or whatever and reyna runs in behind early in the second half and i think it was he was in the right side of the box and it wasn't a great shot. He dragged it wide. But I was like, who played him in? And, and Bobby turned to me and he's like, oh, it's Jesus, you know, played in around the corner ball. Out it, like kind of dinked it up in the air. And he's like, it was like the, uh, what did he call it? The proverbial false nine type of play, right? And, and it was. I watched the replay. <laughs> and and it, it was a solid play. So I thought he had some good moments. And from a striker position that's been completely bereft of any productivity he was good and also shout out to him for uh you know taking the brunt of the panama distraction on christian Pulisic's penalty attempts yeah for sure no i i agree with you sam and i thought it was important just to have a number nine score a goal the guy who was starting at the number nine score a goal that, just that alone was yeah. important and i think it was important for jesus because 
he had missed his chances in, in the El Salvador game in the last window. He needed to show that he could bury at least one of them, and that's what he did. He had more than one chance, to your point. I think he had, I would say, probably three or four decent looks at goal. Yeah. He put one of them away. You'd like two to go away, and I think, again, hey, you look at the second half baby and some steps. of the chances that happened there. <laughs> you know, would, would it matter? Yes, it would matter if they have if Costa Rica had to score seven or eight or six. It matters. <laughs> but... But I thought I would say yes. He was definitely on my list as well. And and again, that's a position right now where you just need the just the there's a boost of confidence just that your number nine scored a goal. It hasn't yes. happened a lot in this qualification cycle. No, it's only been Pepe. Yeah, and that was two games and, that Pepe. And it was scored like a, a million years ago at this point. Right. So that 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 was big. And and I don't know if we're gonna keep looking down the list. We we've got our top three now. Uh, maybe we don't go as in depth, but if, if I were to round that out, I would say I thought Shaq Moore was very good one on one defending, yeah. served in a cross. That Difficult led to a circumstances goal. too. Had you know had not made the roster, flown into Orlando, meets the team there, goes right into the starting lineup, and I thought performed really well. So credit credit to him for that. I, I would say he's you know certainly proved his value. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I thought, again, another strong performance from um, from Walker Zimmer. Actually, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back and say I, I thought, again, Tyler Adams. Yeah. I mean, we take it as a given. So good. We, we take do, it as we take it. But he's so good. And, and, again, I think also I just have so much respect for a guy who picked up a yellow card and has played, like, nine games with a yellow card. At, at a very yellow card-heavy position, by and the way. And just so smart, still impacts plays constantly, still breaks things up constantly, still making tackles and making life difficult, and understanding what he has to do, yeah. but also understanding he has to do it without getting a yellow. I just He's just such an important part of this team, and, and so I'm, I'll, I want to give him a shout after the kind of the guys we mentioned before, but I, I think, you know, Tyler... It's just constantly showing his value with this team. Every single game, yeah. he does something when he's playing that you're like, "All right, you know, like he, he's legit." And this is why he's this is why he's so important. Yeah, one hundred percent. I thought Walker Zimmerman was good again tonight. You know, and, and I don't. We we've talked about this many times now before, but where he was at the start of qualifying, being called to the September window. Not playing. I think the only field player, only guy who didn't, only play field, field player, player yeah. that didn't play in that window, not getting called in October, and then John Brooks and Tim Ream have to withdraw for injury and, and personal reasons, respectively. And Walker comes in and does the old the old Wally Pip. He stole their job, you know, and yeah, it's and he, a cool story. He has not looked back since. Um, he was rock solid again tonight, and I think you know. If you're a USMNT fan, you know, as a person that covers the USMNT, like, all right, if you go play a badass number nine at the World's Cup, like, you'd be maybe you'd have some questions, <laughs> right? But I also think you'd feel pretty good about Walker about Walker Zimmerman and what he would be able to do. I'm, I'm not talking about it, like Lewandowski it doesn't matter. or it doesn't matter yeah. who's playing center back if you're up against Mbappe. Of right? course, like, it, of it's course, gonna, it's going to be problematic for anyone. But he has proven to be dependable. I think he's proven to be a leader yeah. in the group. Yeah, that's one and thing those, about him. We've both heard this now. Apparently, this guy is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think there's just something to the fact that there are two players right there in the middle of your field, Tyler Adams and, and Walker, who are widely respected. Yeah. Who are considered leaders in the locker room, who make up the core of your team, right up the core of your team, the spine, and you know maybe they don't have that next layer of that number nine or whatever you put when you're building a team to have like a really dependable veteran leader at center back to have a, a, a leader at the six. Those are things that, that teams try to build at the club yeah, level. Spine. And I think, yeah. I think it's really important that, that Walker is the personality that he is as well. Not just that he's been a dependable player on the field, but that he, he brings something into the locker room as well. That's I think contributed to, the value he has for this group as well. Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I think those would be my main guys. Um, and and you know I think Paul, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about just kind of the growth of this team over the last 
how long now? Three years, two years, one year? Yeah, I think you go back to I, – I think you have to go back to the start of Greg Berhalter because 2018 was a weird year under Sarakin. Yeah. And Oh, my God. Now, look, credit to Dave Sarakin. He came in, weird situation. He debuted more people in the national team than any coach ever by a significant margin, and he did the best he could. But the no, real – No quibbles the with the job he did. Forward, yeah. yeah, no, of course. But the, the moving forward from, from Cuba didn't start till Greg Berhalter took over. Right. Because now you have a real coach, the real coach of the team who's installing a system, trying to, you know, you can't do that with an interim manager. That was, you know, that's why everyone was so upset that it took so long. It was, it was ridiculous. So when you look at the growth of this team, it starts there. And that's, the pool has grown significantly. Greg Berhalter talked about this week, that this week, that at the early stages, he had some veterans involved. He also got criticized for bringing guys in who, quote, didn't deserve call-ups because they hadn't earned it yet. I remember those criticisms. I think I might have been one of the people saying that. I no, definitely just, was. Yeah, and and <laughs> and now we see kind of that this was the long game, right? You know you're going to count on these young guys when qualifying comes around, so you got to start to get them involved. Either way, the the transformation of the group, the way it's evolved, and somebody asked the question of Greg Berhalter in the press conference today. I don't remember who it was, but even you look at the 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 team that got called up in September. Versus the team that essentially locked up qualification tonight. Way different. There were like five or six guys on the field tonight who weren't there in September. Yeah. So I think we've seen the, the depth grow in this team. And that's going to be important. Clearly, that's going to be important because he had to call those guys and count on them yeah. in this window. Because Brendan Aronson was out. Weston McKenney was out. Uh, Serginio Dess was out. Matt Turner was out. So Tim Weah was asking, out. DeAndre Yedlin was, was out. out. Yeah. DeAndre Yedlin. Yeah. So you're just... You're looking across the whole pool and you're getting contributions from guys like the guys we mentioned at the top of the show who not only were there but ended up being good players yeah. in this game. Yeah. Shaq Moore, Paul Ariola, Jesus Ferreira. I mean, these are guys who who typically, you know, you're not thinking in your mind, okay, you have to qualify for the World Cup. Who's starting at the winger spot? Yeah, and You're not going to say Paul Ariola, right? You're thinking Aronson, Wea, Reyna. Well, none of them could start. Yeah. But Paul Ariola starts, he scores, he plays well. That, to me, shows kind of the way this team has come together. And I think that's pretty much the best thing that Berhalter has done in his tenure, is develop that depth, right? There there have been a lot of bumps along this road with Greg Berhalter. I thought at the beginning of his tenure, he was coaching the national team like it was a club team. He almost basically said that outright the other day, <laughs> right? I, I can't remember his verbatim quote, but it, it was something along the lines of I had to learn that the most important thing was to win each game and not to build right but those painful losses that came with his attempts to build right there were some positives there and and maybe one of the biggest ones was the development of that depth the the calendar helped the addition of the Nations League helped from CONCACAF and, and really this last summer Right, you talk about Nations League and Gold Cup. You have two different teams, and the decision to do that, right? Yeah, Mexico Mexico didn't didn't do that. Yeah, so the decision to do that, where okay, Nations League, you bring the quote unquote A group together, right, and they're together for two and a half, three weeks, starting in Switzerland, ending in Utah, and with the Nations League finals in between in Denver, and they can sort of bond and they can sort of get together and figure themselves out and they can develop a clearer tactical identity and then you do it again in the gold cup but with a different group right and you look at that gold cup team well miles robinson matt turner kellen acosta christian roldan paul Ariola, um who am i forgetting anybody shaq moore was on that team zimmerman back in zimmerman zimmerman was there he got hurt and, and remember, that also didn't include guys who went away to the Olympic League. So it yeah. was a willingness still to say, no, we're not going to call well, other guys in. We're going to give the A-team guys off. And and people, we had to we had to debate, was it the right decision? Because Mexico said, no, we, we, we see value. Tata saw value. He said this to Felipe Cardenas in the bonding. that He hadn't had enough camps with this team, mm-hmm. and this was a chance to be together and, longer and, yeah. and to try to, for, to work through and, things. And that makes sense. 
It makes a lot of sense. And and honestly, I've had the discussion with different people. I don't know if we ever talked about it, but I've had the discussion with certain certain people. Where it's like he should have flipped it. He should have brought the B team to Nations League and the A team to Gold Cup, just for that reason exactly. Like get them together, get them playing together more, get them more games, more training sessions, and, and more reps. And I think had they done that, maybe the start of qualifying would have gone better. Right? Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe I mean, that maybe I, that first window would have gone better, but you wouldn't have developed the depth as much. Right? right? And, and well, I, that would have had implications back, too. Sorry, Sam, it goes back to something Berhalter said and I think this is worth worth bringing up because he mentioned it this week that he he's he has he did lean on the former coaches when he first took over and he's had he even said this week he had a long conversation with Jurgen Klinsmann before going to the Azteca. That kind of blew my mind, by the way. It, it it's just I just would love to be a fly on the wall. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but like, you know, he said Bruce Arena said something that has proved to be maybe the most important advice that Greg Berhalter has received, which is you're never going to have your best team. There's always going to be something that goes wrong. Someone's injured. Someone's on a yellow card suspension. And that has proven to be the case very quickly for Greg Berhalter. He has learned that you have to have backup plans and you have to have backups. And so I think that that advice from Bruce Arena played into his decision to to expand the pool by by breaking those teams into two, resting the guys that he felt needed rest after a long COVID impacted season that that created a condensed schedule and put a lot I think on players' bodies in general, no matter where you were playing. But clearly, it it, it paid off. Again, you've had to call on these players. Not just in qualifiers, but in tonight's qualifier, in the game in Mexico, to go and get you a result in the most important part of the window when it comes to getting to Qatar, and and so I I agree with you that there has been there have been moments where it's very fair to question Greg Berhalter's decision making, yeah. why they were playing and the way they he's were. He's made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, and and but I thought that was probably in retrospect now, and I think we talked about this on the podcast way back when the decision was made with, with Felipe, is which one is going to end up being the right decision. We'll see. And I think I think we can probably safely say now that yeah. that Berhalter made the right decision and that maybe Tata, one of the big criticisms of Tata is that he doesn't trust anyone else in his pool and he kind of only sticks. They didn't rotate at all yeah. today, their lineup, yeah. and they got a one nothing result against Honduras and that's it. That you know maybe maybe Berhalter had the right right idea. Yeah, perhaps. Um, anyway, I mean he had the right ideas tonight, and all the players did too, because they worked those guys. Paul, I want to take a quick break, and I want to come back and talk about this Costa Rica game, because it's a little bit strange, it's a little bit weird, um, and, and we can talk game plan, I guess, for that. Um, and I also want to talk about the crowd in Orlando tonight because it's certainly merits mention. Stay with us, Allocation Disorder. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder, closing out a joyous evening for the USMNT and its fans here in Orlando, Florida, Paul Tenorio's hometown. Can't believe we've gotten that far in the show without mentioning that. Uh, I apologize to to you (laughs) listeners and also to Paul. Um, I hope you'll forgive me. Uh, But Paul, I just want to wind this back a little bit and, and zoom out. So Canada... My home country. (laughs) (laughs) Clinched a berth in the World Cup for the first time since 1986. 
today. So congrats to them. The most likable team in CONCACAF for my money. Uh, sure. They they have moved to Qatar uh, and they are in the USA and Mexico both won. Mexico in much less convincing fashion, only 1-0 against Honduras. Uh, they're both on 25 points in second and both looking like very, very good bets to qualify. They cannot finish worse than fourth, so they, they will not be out um, regardless of what happens in the last game on Wednesday. And then Costa Rica is in fourth after beating El Salvador on the road earlier today, um, courtesy of a bicycle kick goal. And then a Joel Campbell winner, I believe, in first half stoppage time. That came. Uh, they have 22 points. So as we've mentioned, the U.S. only needs to lose by less than six. If they lose by five or less, or they win or they draw, they finish in the top three, and they are in Qatar, and they don't need to worry about anything. Um, if they lose by six or more, <laughs> and Mexico also wins... <laughs> Um, then, you know, they're, they're going to be going to Qatar a little bit earlier for an intercontinental playoff. And, and so with those scenarios outlined, Paul, I wanted to ask you something. And our buddy, Matt Doyle from MLSsoccer.com put this out there earlier tonight. You know, all you got to do is, is win, draw, or lose by five goals or less to advance directly to the World Cup. A forfeit is a 3-0 loss. Who says no? Do you say Nobody. no? FIFA. FIFA says no. CONCACAF says I think, no. I was thinking about this earlier. We should actually report on this. We should like figure yeah, we, out what would happen if the U.S. forfeited. I'm, I'm excited to ask Greg Berhalter this question. <laughs> because like, like, realistically, like, is it sporting? Is it like good sportsmanship? Like, no, it would be terrible sportsmanship to do that, right? It would be underhanded and ridiculous. And I I don't think I would really like it. But at the same time, if you're guaranteeing yourself, if you have two options, one has a 1% or less than 1% chance that you don't qualify directly for the World Cup, and one has a 0% chance that you don't qualify directly for the World Cup, why wouldn't you just take the zero? Well, I, I think that, you know, again, this is a great question for Greg Berhalter. And in fact, Sam, if you'd like to ask it, I, I'm more than happy to allow you to do it. I, I got caught <laughs> off guard today. I was the first person to ask a question to Greg, and I, I really regretted my question. I, I felt like I didn't really bring the heat the way okay, I was. We've, we've all been I there. Bring, I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't ask a great question, what I'm trying to say. So I think following it up with my first chance at uh, talking to him again to ask, Greg, why are we why are we here in Costa Rica? Why not just forfeit the game and let's book our flights to Qatar? Mm. It's probably a fair fair path. I think we should do this from a Costa Rican beach. Oh, I'm still going to Costa Rica. My flight, I mean, I don't know if it's refundable or not, but I'm very tomorrow night I'm gonna be getting dinner with my family in Costa Rica, regardless of whether or not Greg Berhalter and U.S. Soccer calls us to say we forfeited this game. I'm getting on that plane at <laughs> tomorrow. I mean, may- at MCO. like I don't know. Maybe like maybe they can run out some guys, some guys in the press court for a friendly, perhaps. You know what? You know? Just stand, just stand all eleven players in goal. Make a nice wall across the goal and just. Hmm. You know, I feel like Costa Rica would be able that. to score six if you did that. <laughs> maybe. Um, no, I, I obviously that's not what it's not going to happen and. You know, but it is an interesting. It's just an interesting. Uh, it's kind it was of a great tweet. Idea. Is what it was. It was a great tweet. It was. It was. And a great tweet. Um, I think that uh, I think that I actually think Greg Berhalter would have an interesting answer to that question. I will. I think you know what? Maybe I'll ask him. And maybe this is. I think maybe, it's worth asking. Maybe this is the one where I finally address him as profe. Well, it's going to have to happen now. <laughs> now is the time to do it. You know, I think you're right. I thought it would maybe be post game of the Costa Rica game once they yeah. qualify. Yeah, that you bring the profe out. But if you're going to ask this question, it almost has to start with profe. <laughs> we'll see. I forgot to ask him about the Tar Heels tonight. I meant to do that, but somebody did. Somebody did. Really? He was no longer on the screen. Like he, had, they were like, "All right, we'll be back with." With Kellen, with uh, no, with Paul Ariola and Jesus Ferreira, and somebody said, "What about the Tar Heels, Greg?" And <laughs> it had the graphic of like solo palante, yeah. And you hear Greg's voice being like, ah, "I wanted St. Pete's." <laughs> oh, what a weirdo! Um, <laughs> okay. Anyway, on a serious note, like Paul, you you have some insight into the Costa Rican national team as a Costa Rican person. Um, 
<laughs> as a Costa Rican person, I do have insight into the Costa Rican national. Um, but this this match is kind of weird, right? Like Costa Rica realistically is is locked into fourth. They can't finish lower than it, but they're probably not going to finish higher than it unless Mexico loses. Yeah, if Mexico loses, they have a legitimate chance. I right. mean, here's or, the issue. Or draws, for that matter. Or draws. Here's the issue. You look at Costa Rica right now. They have nine guys. Nine guys. Nine On guys. yellow cards. Okay? Nine guys on yellow cards. This is already a stupid rule in CONCACAF that two yellow cards across 14 games can get you suspended for the next game. You add on top of that, that yellow card accumulation carries over to the playoff, the intercontinental playoff. How? 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 I don't know. I don't know how or why. But there are some important names on the list of guys with yellow cards for Costa Rica. Guys that are going to be starters for them when they play the winner of the Oceania Maybe play Mexico. They all bets are off with they, them. They man. only have four. They only have four goal differential on Costa Rica. So if Costa Rica were to win two nothing and Mexico to, were to lose two nothing, Mexico could draw, and Costa Rica could win, and then Mexico's in, then well no no Mexico never mind. would have a point. No, it's late. But, I'm bad at math. Well, they it would. It, it's interesting because it would. They would need to basically Costa Rica would need to to make up. They can't just do to two and two. They. They need to get three goals. They need to beat U.S. by three and have Mexico lose, basically, is what they need. It's unlikely. Um, yeah, by two. It's unlikely. It's unlikely. Mexico so, playing at home against El Salvador, by the because way. Because it's unlikely, guys like Joel Campbell, Celso Borges, Oviedo, Calvo. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. I just cannot believe that Celso Borges is still playing professional soccer. Well, That man on. is 53 years old. <laughs> well, listen, this is this is the reality of the Costa Rican national team. They started off this cycle leaning way too heavily on the older players in the group. Guys like Ruiz, Borges were, were counted on to do a lot more than they should have been counted on to do. What changed for this Costa Rican team was they brought in a new manager, and it took him a while, too. He wanted to learn the pool. He kind of, I guess, understandably in a way – leaned on the older guys at first, but credit to him. He started to, he held a domestic camp to get to know the, the players in the domestic league better. And he started to, to realize that, Hey, we need to not do what the U S did in 2017 and, and start transitioning now to these younger guys. And since he made that decision, Costa Rica has picked up 16 of their last 18 points. So maybe Mexico and the U S should be thankful that Costa Rica took as long as it did to realize that, they needed to kind of freshen things up. But you look even at the result tonight that they got. Anthony Contreras, 22 years old, plays for Guanacasteca, not one of the bigger clubs in Costa Rica. He's got 13 goals in the domestic league, just his third cap. Wow. And, he's, and he scores he's on a bicycle. Yeah. He scores on a bicycle kick to help give Costa Rica the win. So it, it will be interesting to see how Costa Rica approaches this game. I would expect that short of a U.S. forfeit, we will see Calvo, <laughs> Campbell, Borges, and Oviedo on the bench, not starting. So Brian, because you have Brian to prioritize. Ruiz, captain, for sure, then. I think Ruiz will be playing, for sure. Love I think that. Ruiz will be playing, for sure. And and it get, does it up the chance of the U.S. to win the game? Yeah, probably. But, you know, I think Costa Rica understands kind of what's, what's at stake for them, what game needs to have more importance. And I also want to say that Costa Rica is going to the World Cup. They're going to win that intercontinental playoff. Nope. They're going to go to the World no Cup. No love for the Kiwis, well. huh? It's not. I will, we, first of all, they have to get there. Second of all. Or the Solomon Islands. Costa Rica will win no matter who's there. So um, I, I think it's, I think it's a, a really cool story, what's happened in Costa Rica, how they've been able to turn things around. And I'm super excited to be in the stadium on Wednesday. It's going to be a very emotional moment for me, I think. Um, I'm, I'm very interested to see how Costa Rica approaches it. because Just because of the fact that Mexico is a little bit shaky. But logically, I think you know they, they probably have to rest some of these guys. Not rest, just sit some of these protect guys. Protect them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, protect them. I'm wondering how the U.S. is going to approach this game. And what kind of lineup we're going to see. 
Uh, Burhalter sort of spoke tonight, like we're going to run out of team that we can win, blah, 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 right? It's going to be a strong group, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there is a very slight chance that the U.S. could end up in pot one of the World Cup draw. So a win would be important for that. They would also need some help from El Salvador. Um, if Mexico and the U.S. both win, I believe Mexico would finish with more FIFA points. Point one. Yeah. More points. Then, it. then point the U.S. And, and so then the U.S. wouldn't really have a path to pot one. It's unlikely as is. But, um, yeah, so they need some help. But there is a slight outside chance. But I'm, I'm curious. I, th- I think... I think we'll see a pretty heavily rotated team. I think we'll see Tim Weah and DeAndre Yedlin back in the lineup after they were suspended. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Giorgiana start, you know, maybe play at 60 minutes, something like that. I think we'll see Adams and Pulisic. Well, I don't know. I think I, I think, I think they'll, they'll be on the bench. I, I would be I'd be surprised if we didn't see George Bello, who hasn't played yet at left back. Anthony yeah. Robinson's gone ninety ninety. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Ethan Horvath, but I, I'm guessing mm. he'll give the minutes to Stefan just because he doesn't get a ton of them at Man City. I would be surprised I, if Stefan. I think did not start. I think Kellen Acosta will start at the six. Tyler Adams has has now played both games. Yeah, um, I think although we'll see, Acosta played Acosta played forty five tonight. Yeah, I think we'll see Christian on the bench. I think. If Gio's fit enough to start, I think he'll start. Yeah. Gio uh, and Wea. Musa will yeah. definitely be on the bench. Mm, I think yeah. Jesus gets the start again to try to build something there. I could see that. I could see Pepe getting another run. Yeah. So it, 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 I agree it will be interesting. Sam, I, I wonder for you, I, I have something I want to say about this, but hmm. I do want to kind of come back to tonight. Come and, back. Let's go. And, yeah. and I want to ask you what your thoughts are on the crowd tonight because – we we did yes. sit outside. We made the decision to ditch our indoor press box to get a real feel for the. Uh, We're the men atmosphere. of the people. <laughs> I thought it was really. I thought it was really important yeah. that crowd tonight. And and but I want I want to hear your thoughts first. I agree. Um, I don't know. I mean, I tweeted this that I thought it was the best crowd, bar none. Not really even that close of the entire cycle for the U.S. at home. Um. Cincinnati people were getting mad at me about that and and maybe I gave them short shift um we didn't get to sit outside in Cincinnati in fact I had to the press box windows it's it's closed press box they have these little like vent windows up top I actually climbed up on a desk to open those windows so we could feel a little bit and hear a little bit of the atmosphere but the atmosphere in Orlando tonight was incredible the crowd was engaged it was a good crowd from from the opening minute a soccer savvy crowd in ways that we have not always seen in qualifying Nashville. Um, no offense. <laughs> yeah. I think they're taking offense to that no matter what. You Whatever. Say. Uh, too bad. Should have been better. Um, <laughs> but you know, Paul, like you were talking about it and I, I can't really remember this moment. So I'll let you talk about it, but there was, yeah. Talk about they, it. Talk they about played the an moment. active role, Sam. They played an yeah. active role. I wrote about it in my story. In the let's let's not forget the first ten minutes of this game were dicey for the U.S. Not dicey. Panama was better. Yeah, they were, that's why it was dicey. They created a couple chances. Yeah. That side volley that went over the top. And Panama had the ball. Panama were on the front foot, and the U.S. looked nervy. They looked like they the stakes were going to get to them a little bit, and they had to kind of shake out of that. And the thing that shook them out of it was the Orlando crowd. In the 11th minute, actually, you know what? I will credit two things. The Orlando crowd and Christian Pulisic. You want to talk again about the impact Christian Pulisic had? He chased down the right back from from Panama. And he pressed him and the right back got by him. And Christian looped around and came and pressed him again. And Tyler Adams was pressing him from the other side. And Christian ended up winning the ball back. And in that moment, the Orlando crowd went nuts when that when they won that ball back. And they, they acted almost like it was a goal for like a, a seven-second period. And then they transitioned from that like crazy reaction to like an innocuous tackle near the sideline into a hugely vociferous USA, USA, USA chant. They were trying to will the U.S. into the game. They were like, you guys need to wake up. We, we want something to cheer for. 
So we've decided that we're just going to cheer for that effort that Christian Pulisic put yeah. in, that Tyler Adams put in. And you could see... It's invigorating. That that, it, it's, it's, it turned the momentum. Yeah. It turned the... Because mo- the U.S. lifted. They, they responded to that. And two minutes later, the penalty kick. Well, the foul for the penalty kick. It didn't get actually awarded until <laughs> the 17th yeah. minute with VAR and everything. But for the 15th minute, they rewarded it the penalty kick in the 17th. Yeah. But that moment to me changed the game. The Orlando crowd realizing that the U.S. was chasing a little bit, that they weren't in the game, yeah. and that they needed to, to, to give them something. And they did. And that to me is the hallmark of a great Hundred percent. The hallmark of you what cha- you need from a home field advantage to to recognize those moments where you lift your team, and all of us have experienced it. Like you go to like I don't know, Sam. Like for you, a Blackhawks game for me, a Capitals game. There's times I'm good at hockey games. You know, whatever. There are times when you're <laughs> cheering for your team when you recognize that they're they're down and you've got to lift them. And I thought that it was just to me that that moment stood out. I, I wanted to ask Tyler Adams about it. We didn't get to talk to Tyler after the game. Or Christian, I figured, for that matter. Or Christian. We, we didn't talk to him either. Um, but, like, I, I felt like that was perfectly indicative of why Orlando was the exact right venue to yeah. go to in this game. And and for me, why, you know, we earlier in this show, we talked about, like, which players had a big impact. I would have said that, like, Orlando City fans were top five for hmm. helping kind of make the result what it was yeah um i don't know if top five but but yeah they definitely played a role um i thought luca de la torre was good as well we didn't really talk about him too much um yeah. but I, I thought he did a nice job tonight um too so yeah i i mean paul i think just for me like just winding it back a little bit the crowd was fantastic right i i, I mean we've said it all already um but like if Christian Pulisic turns into a more consistent performer for the national team, I think we'll always look back at this game as the moment that it changed. Yeah, right? I would agree with that. And I think that could be kind of the long term story of this game. But I thought it was an all time I thought it was an all time US MNT performance by an individual player for him tonight. Um and I'm very interested and excited to see if this propels him up a notch or two in terms of his play with the national team because I think it has the potential to, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I think for me, kind of my if we're wrapping up here and doing a little bit of a final thought, I think it, it just it's it's we're at this moment now, and and again, I, I felt like I didn't want to go fully there in the story just because I don't want to you know knock on wood and all that. And I was around, I was in Orlando in 2017 when they beat Canada four nothing. <laughs> Um, had a four-goal win over Panama in the penultimate yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Parallel is very real. Weird. But I think that it's it's starting to hit a little bit that we are pretty darn close to booking tickets to Qatar. Yeah. And it's going to be, and, and we'll go into this for sure Wednesday night in Costa Rica when we record, as long as things go, you know, as we expect them to go. <laughs> um, but... It's going to be cool to see this young group in Qatar, I think, because as we talked yeah. about on this show, they've grown a lot in a, in a short mm-hmm. amount of time, and they're going to grow a lot between now and November. That's eight, you know, eight months, and that's a, a long time in professional soccer, mm-hmm. and they're going to have this huge platform, and Christian Pulisic has done a lot. He's gone to a Champions League final. He's played in two World Cup qualifying cycles. He's played in an FA Cup final, but... This is one platform he's never had. I'm excited to see him in a World Cup. And, yeah. and that goes for a lot of these players. Um, and it's just kind of cool for, for us, I think, to be at games like this tonight and to experience them. And um, it's going to be super cool to cover a World Cup. And I, I, I just think like... This is crazy from the guy who, who was talking about a 9-0 win for Costa Rica. The other, no, I'm saying like it would have been nicer to make, to make them have to win 9-0 instead of just 6-0. <laughs> 6-0 is fathomable. 9-0 is unfathomable. <laughs> Those goals in the second half would have made it an unfathomable result, and my gamer would have been much more effusive in the, the, ticket, to, the ticket to Qatar is booked kind of game, you know, playbook. But instead, I had to kind of 
I was like, you know what? I'm going to write the more dramatic game story on Wednesday night <laughs> when it's actually <laughs> done. I'm, I don't want to be the one who they pull up my lead with a screenshot. And, Old takes exposed. You know, yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's just, I don't know, Sam. It, it's, it's, I thought tonight was just a cool moment all the way around and seeing Christian Pulisic's emergence in the way that we've kind of been waiting for and waiting for and waiting for and seeing the depth of this team step up in a big way when they needed to and in knowing that we're 90 minutes away from, from going to a world cup, essentially. Yeah. Like actually, literally Sam for you and I, um, but for fans of the U S for for everyone. Yeah. For everyone knowing that, that it's that close. uh, It was, it was a cool experience. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a good way to send it off. Um, Of course, you know, the U S did have a couple of banners that they took in front of their fans and, one oh, of the one of them said qualified amazing. for Qatar. Yeah, good um, on Greg Berhalter for bringing that up in his. In his it was so statement. funny. We couldn't really read it. We had a tight angle, but I'm like, I think that says qualified. And then some staffer that I think handed them the banner, maybe like ran up and like ripped it out of the players. <laughs> they were supposed to be holding a banner that said "Thank you, fans." Yeah, and they got handed the wrong banner. <laughs> it's, it's a rough night for whoever handed them that banner. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> So that was kind of a funny anecdote to end the evening. But on the whole, a really incredible night for the U.S. men's national team. Probably the best, the most feel-good of this entire cycle. And as we head into Wednesday at Costa Rica, knowing that anything better than a a six-goal loss will get the U.S. to Qatar, you know what? Paul might not say it, but go go ahead and party. Enjoy this one. The U.S. is going back to the World Cup. I'm Sam Stayskull. He's Paul Tenorio. We'll speak to you next from Costa Rica when all of this becomes a little bit more official. Until then, this has been Allocation Disorder. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.